to be a true follower of Jesus Christ. It's going to be costly. To be a follower of Christ is costly. So many people, and it's interesting as we're going to look at Samson's life here today and kind of see how he lived his life and and this stage of his life. So many people are okay with a dab of Jesus here or a dab of Jesus there. You know, like a little spice or a little something that kind of spices up things. A little dab here, a little dab there. But Jesus demands total submission. Total submission. Romans chapter 12 says it this way. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, talking to believers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, are you ready for this? A living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is, listen, which is your reasonable service. Well, that doesn't seem reasonable. Yes, it is. Why? Because he bought us. He purchased our bodies with his blood. And then he says in Romans 12, 2, And do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. A living sacrifice. That doesn't really kind of fit with our idea of convenient Christianity. That I want a little Jesus here, a little Jesus there. A little Jesus that doesn't cost me anything. We've got to make a choice in life. All of us do. Are we going to live for ourselves or are we going to live for Christ? It's just that simple. Are we going to live for ourselves or live for Christ? You say, well, I'm going to do both. Well, that's impossible. The Bible is very clear. You cannot serve two masters. Either he's going to be the Lord of your life or you're going to try to do it. And I'll just tell you right now, if you try to do it, you're going to fail miserably. Our man Samson, we're going to look at him here today. I want you to remember this about him. He's a hero of the faith. We read about him in the the Hall of Faith in Hebrews 11. He's a hero of the faith, but he had a real problem right here. Instead of being led by the Lord and following the Lord and obeying the Lord, instead he follows oftentimes his own passions and his own lust. And we see it on full display right here in Judges 14. When I think of Samson here, I think of Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. Proverbs 29.18 says, When people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. But whoever obeys the law of the Lord, law is joyful. Running wild is a good way, I think, to describe Samson. Running wild. Now remember last time when we first started studying Samson, I told you when you look at Samson's life, when you're real honest about it, sometimes you wonder, is this man even a follower of Jehovah? Does he even know Jehovah? Much less serve as a hero of the faith. But Hebrews said that he was. He was a man of faith. God used Samson, even though Samson was way off base many times, because God is always the hero of the story. Samson's life is a picture of God's marvelous grace. Well, let's read it. You're ready, I think, by now. You're wondering about what's in this passage. Maybe it's been a while since you've studied it. And uh, maybe it's been a while since you've looked at it. But let's look at it together. What we'll do is just go ahead and read Judges chapter 14. Then we'll come back together and we'll see what the Lord has. We'll dig a little deeper into it. Judges chapter 14, beginning at verse number 1. Now Samson went down. By the way, that phrase went down. We know we're talking about geography there and direction. But in reality, it's a description of his life. And you'll see that phrase appear in his life. Now Samson went down to Timnah. And saw a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. So he saw a Philistine girl. 
So he went up and told his father and mother, saying, I've seen a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for me as a wife. Then his father and mother said to him, Is there no woman among the daughters of your brethren or among all my people that you must go and get a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said to his father, Get her for me, for she pleases me well. But his father and mother did not know that it was of the Lord that he was seeking the occasion to move against the Philistines, for at that time the Philistines had dominion over Israel. So Samson went down to Timnah with his father and mother and came to the vineyards of Timnah. Now to his surprise, a young lion came roaring against him. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he tore the lion apart as one would have torn apart a young goat, though he had nothing in his hand. But he did not tell his father or his mother what he had done. Then he went down and talked with the woman, and she pleased Samson well. After some time, when he returned to get her, he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. And behold, a swarm of bees and honey were in the carcass of the lion. He took some of it in his hands and went along eating. And when he came to his father and mother, he gave some to them and they also ate. But he did not tell them that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion. So his father went down to the woman. And Samson gave a feast there for young men used to do so. And it happened when they saw him, they brought 30 companions to be with him. Then Samson said to them, let me pose a riddle to you. If you can correctly solve and explain it to me within the seven days of the feast, then I will give you 30 linen garments and 30 changes of clothing. But if you cannot explain it to me, then you shall give me 30 linen garments and 30 changes of clothing. And they said to him, pose your riddle that we may hear it. So he said to them, verse 14, out of the eater came something to eat and out of the strong came something sweet. Now for three days they could not explain the riddle. But it came to pass on the seventh day that they said to Samson's wife, Entice your husband that he may explain the riddle to us, or else we will burn you and your father's house with fire. Have you invited us in order to take what is ours? Is that not so? Verse 16, Then Samson's wife wept on him and said, You only hate me. You do not love me. You posed a riddle to my sons of my people, but you've not explained it to me. And he said to her, Look, I have not explained it to my father and my mother. Should I explain it to you? Now she had wept on him seven days while their feast lasted. And it happened on the seventh day that he told her because she pressed him so much. Then she explained the riddle to the sons of her people. So the men of the city said to him on the seventh day, before the sun went down, in other words, right at the last moment, what is sweeter than honey and what is stronger than a lion? And he said to them, if you had not plowed with my heifer, you would not have solved my riddle. He had away with words, didn't he? Verse 19. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily, and he went down to Ashkelon and killed 30 of their men, took their apparel, 
and gave the changes of clothing to those who had explained this riddle. So his anger was aroused, and he went back up to his father's house, and Samson's wife was given to his companion, who had been his best man. An interesting story, to say the least. There are a lot of questions, I'm sure, that rose in your mind as we read through that story. Because there's a lot of things that, on the surface, you may begin to wonder about. A lot happens here that we would not expect. So I want to study this passage under three headings. But here's the reality. I'm not going to rush through it. So we're not going to get through all three. And we're not going to address a lot of those questions you have. We're going to take our time and walk through it. And so today we'll look at one of these headings. And then you'll have to come back, I hope, and hear the rest. But I want to give you three headings that kind of cover chapter 14 of the book of Judges here. And they're simply this, a pretty face, a hard place, and marvelous grace. A pretty face, a hard place, and marvelous grace. Now, today, I want to talk to you about this pretty face that we find here in the passage. That's what we have And this Philistine woman. It's interesting. We see here that Samson, he is walking by sight, not by faith. It says in verse number one, he saw a woman. In verse number two, he says, I have seen a woman. And in verse number three, he simply says, she pleases me well. Now, there's so much I could say about just what we just said in those three phrases. We could talk about the danger of focusing on external beauty versus inner beauty. Guys, listen. I know she may have a pretty face, but you better stop for a moment and see what's behind that pretty face. Does she have inner beauty? Girls, you better not focus so much on the rippling muscles that you lose sight of his weak character. See, Samson didn't care about any of that stuff we just talked about. Inner beauty godliness, any of that, what he saw was this woman was drop-dead gorgeous and he wanted her. And he comes to his parents and he's pretty blunt, by the way. Here's what he says. Get her for me as a wife. Get her. Go get her for me as a wife. And his parents are not happy about this. In fact, they, they said, can you not find a nice young lady among our people? Can you not find a girl among Israel who are part of the covenant, who follow Jehovah? The Bible teaches very clearly in the Old Testament and in the New Testament that believers are only supposed to marry believers. It's commanded. But not only is it commanded, it makes just perfect sense, doesn't it? If your faith is the most important thing in your life, and it ought to be, by the way, if your faith is the most important thing in your life, then why would you want to marry someone and join together with someone for forever, earthly speaking, whom you cannot share that faith with? You see, before you even entertain the idea of dating someone, you should establish right up front, is this person a true Follower of Jesus Christ. And I don't mean just that, oh, well, I go to church. Or I, I, you know, I'm religious. No. Are they truly following Jesus Christ? You see, outward beauty is a plus. But inward beauty and godliness is to be the focus. 
Muscles, rippling muscles are a bonus, but the strength of godly character is the main thing. An old preacher by the name of T. DeWitt Talmadge, he likened going into marriage based upon a pretty face would be like a man buying a farm because he thought the flowers by the front door were pretty. You say, how foolish that would be. Look at those pretty flowers. I'll take the farm. He didn't look beyond the front door. He didn't look at the fields. He didn't look at everything else. And so it is when we get into relationships. When we get into these relationships. You say, well, it doesn't matter. I'll win them to Jesus. doesn't matter if they know the Lord or not. No, that's a disobedient spirit. It's sin. Because Jesus and the Word of God clearly says that we're to marry those who are followers of Jesus. Listen, never do wrong to get a chance to do right. Never do wrong to get a chance to do right. Just do right. Never do wrong to get a chance to do right. You see, this is where convenient Christianity comes in. I know he's not a Christian, but... I know she doesn't follow Jesus, but... Stop right there. Be careful. You're on dangerous ground. We'll see later. You're going to understand pretty soon how this all works out for Samson. If you don't know the story, you can read ahead. But it doesn't turn out well. In fact, you're going to see this problem in his life as he gets focused upon the wrong women. And they lead him down, down, down. And it's so important that we're obedient to God. Now, we'll see later that God worked in spite of Samson's choices. But the fault lies with Samson. And the consequences, they lie with Samson. Now, remember we said we have a choice in life to make. Are we going to follow and please God? Are we going to please ourselves? Here, Samson decided he's going to follow his own path. He's going to please himself. And did you notice he didn't care what his parents thought? Did you notice that? In a real sense, he disrespected his parents. Because I want you to notice here in this particular culture, in this particular time, you were very respectful and very careful how you spoke to your parents. We need to bring that back, by the way. Did you notice that he scorned their counsel? I mean, I think his response in verse 3 shows it because his parents are kind of warning him. They're saying, is there nobody else? Are you sure you want to go down to these uncircumcised people? They don't follow Jehovah. They're, they're not part of the covenant. Are you sure about this? Are you? I mean, and what does he say? His reply is simply, get her for me, for she pleases me well. They tell me that Samson would have had to taken uh, this route because back in that day, this is how it was done. The parents would have had to make the arrangements. And some commentators find fault with Mr. and Mrs. Manoa here. I don't find a lot of fault with them because I see them waving the white flag. I, I see them warning him. I see them cautioning him. I see them saying, hey, are you sure about this? Can't you find a follower of Jehovah? Why would you want to bribe from the uncircumcised Philistines? Remember, circumcision was a sign of the covenant, that they belonged to the Lord. And these people were not under the covenant. They did not belong to God. In fact, the law said in Deuteronomy 7, 3 and 4, Nor shall you make marriages with them. You shall not give your daughter to their son, nor take their daughter for your son. Why? For they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods, so the anger of the Lord will be aroused against you and destroy you suddenly. But see, Samson didn't care about any of that. He didn't care what his parents thought. He didn't care what God thought at this point. 
He wanted what was convenient, what was pleasurable, what he desired. It didn't matter about anybody else or anything else. He was walking by sight. But he's also guilty of something else we better be careful of. And that is ignoring godly counsel. Ignoring godly counsel. He ignored what his parents said. He ignored godly counsel. And beloved, he's not alone. We've been talking about convenient Christianity. And one of the big problems with living that way is convenient Christianity oftentimes does not line up with this book. We want what we want, when we want it, how we want it, who we want it. It doesn't matter what this book says. Now, we'll give lip service to it. We'll say, oh, I believe that's the Word of God. And we'll, we'll come in vacation Bible school. I pledge allegiance to the Bible, God's holy Word. I'll make it a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I will hide its words in my heart that I may not sin against God, but as long as it lines up with me. But if it says something I don't like, if it gives instruction that doesn't line up with my desires, then I've got to figure out a way. Well, I don't really interpret it that way. Well, I don't really understand it that way. Well, it's as plain as day. It's black and white. The law says there, you shall not make marriage with them. I don't care about that, Samson says. I don't care what you think, Mom and Dad. I don't care what God says. I want what I want. You see, the Bible... Many times is inconvenient. We like to walk by sight rather than walking by faith. We want to know where we're going. We want to know every little detail on the way. But then we come and the Bible says what? It says, follow Jesus. Take up your cross and follow me. We want to know every detail, Lord. No, just follow me. Obey me. Beware when you begin to rationalize, argue with, or outright deny godly counsel. When someone gives you the word and waves the flag of warning, don't just go on your merry way. You're walking in dangerous territory. And by the way, God is so gracious because He does bring people into our lives to, to bring about godly counsel. We don't like them a lot of times, by the way. We don't go looking for them. But God in His gracious counsel, He brings up truth. There's a song you hear. There's a word that's spoken. There's a devotion you read. There's a Sunday school lesson. There's a friend who speaks about something. You, you hear something. A verse is brought to your mind. God is saying, follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me. Serve me, serve me. Obey me, obey me over and over again. Walk by faith, don't walk by sight. And yet sometimes we're guilty where we ignore it. We rationalize it away. We argue with it. We dismiss it. We overlook it. We just kind of get in ourselves and say, no, I'm going to have what I'm going to have. And you know what? Sometimes God lets us have what we want. And it's not long before we realize just how foolish we've been. Samson's life illustrates all of this so perfectly. We know how things ended up. Have you ever read the story of Samson? It's not pretty. It's not pretty. When you look at all that Samson had going for him. Uh, one that I read talked about that, that Samson may have had more potential of any other character in the whole Old Testament. 
I mean, endued with power from God, a, a, a Nazarite from the womb. I mean, all the potential in the world. But Samson walked by sight rather than by faith. And Samson ignored godly counsel. He just went on his way. He was going to have what he wanted regardless. Just pretty blunt getter for me. I'll be honest with you. The more I study Samson, the less I like Samson. I'm just going to be honest with you. The more I learn about him, the less I like him. It may be because Samson reminds me of myself at times. And as you look at his life, it may be that he reminds you of yourself. As we walk by sight and not by faith. Oh, the heartache that's awaiting Samson. There's heartache coming. And really, there's always heartache coming when we step outside God's path and God's will and God's way for our life. Now, what about you today? What is it that you're plotting or planning or striving after that is not God's perfect will for your life? Could it be that God brought you to this service because once again He's waving the flag saying don't walk by sight. Walk by faith. Don't take matters in your own hand. Trust me. As we sang about earlier in the service, wait for me. Don't you go arranging things. You wait for me. I mean, don't you, don't you and I know, we look at the story, I mean, God could have brought forth a lovely young lady that was a godly follower of Jehovah and that Samson would have desired to follow the Lord in that. He could have arranged that very easily. But in your life, what demands are you making? What demands are you making? Let's just back up even further. Now, I'm talking to Christians. If you don't know Christ today, that's the starting point. You need to trust Christ as your Savior. I would encourage you to do that. But I've been talking to Christians today. Have, let's back up. Have you even taken the time to even ask the Lord about this? Because, you know, that's what I don't find here in Samson's life. I don't read anywhere in this whole passage where he stopped and got down on his knees and prayed. Do you, do you read that in your Scripture? Why? Because he's walking by sight. Man, look at her. Get her for me. He doesn't stop and say, Lord, Jehovah, is this who you would have for me? He doesn't stop and consider God's Word. He doesn't stop and consider His parents. Sometimes we go along, we've been warned by godly counsel, but we soldier on because we're going to have what we want regardless. We never say it out loud, but here's the reality. When we live like this, like Samson's living, what we're really saying by our actions is this. God isn't smart enough. God isn't kind enough. God isn't good enough to give me what I want and what I need. That's what we're saying. 
Oh, we would never verbalize that. Not a one in here would verbalize that. God, you're not smart enough. You're not kind enough. You're not good enough. You're not powerful enough. We'd never say that. And yet we live this way. We take matters in our own hands and say, I will have what I want regardless. We walk by sight rather than by faith. When this happens, when we're going there and godly counsel comes, stop. Humble yourself. Repent. Turn around. Surrender. And decide to walk with God's help by faith and not by sight. A pretty face we'll see later, leads to a hard place. But praise be to God, we'll end with marvelous grace. Would you bow with me this morning? I'm going to be honest with you as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed. I don't know who I'm talking to today. In other words, I'm not sure exactly how the Lord is applying this. But as he's laid this message upon my heart and as he's put us here with Samson, as he put us here in Judges 14, it may be you that he's talking to today. If it is, if you're walking by sight, if you're seeking to have your own way, if you're soldiering on against the godly counsel, against the Word of God, against the will of God, against the way of God, I I just beg you, I just beg you right now, would you stop? And would you cry out today and ask the Lord's forgiveness and ask the Lord to help guide your life? You see, I want you to remember this, and it's very hard to remember when we're waiting and we're in tough times in our life. God always has your best and His glory in mind. Always. Now, I know it doesn't seem like it. I know it doesn't feel like it. I know it's not fun at times. But waiting upon the Lord is the wisest thing you can do. Waiting upon God. Not taking matters in your own hands. So I don't know who I'm talking to, but you know who it is, because it might be you. And if it is, would you take a moment there in your seat this morning? Would you just talk to the Lord about whatever that situation is? Whatever, whatever that circumstance is? Whatever it is that you're seeking to, to soldier on in when you know, I mean, there's been a check in your heart, but there's been conviction, you've had a guilty conscience, the whole nine yards. The Lord's been dealing with you about it. Would you talk with Him about it? I want to give you a moment there to pray in your seat. And then we'll pray together and then we'll have a closing song. But let me give you some time. And again, I don't know who it is. There might be several here today. But look at Samson. Don't follow him in this. Would you pray right where you are?
But Father, I want to thank You for recording this story in the Holy Scripture. We look at Samson's life and, Father, in all honesty, we wonder at times, how can this man be in the faith chapter? But we know he's there because of your goodness. And we know that these things that are written are for examples for us. Some of these characters are a good example and some of them are an example of what we shouldn't do. And so, Lord, would you help us as we look at our lives today? May your Holy Spirit put his finger on anything that is not what it ought to be. Father, we do grow impatient. We do grow weary of waiting. We get tired of the struggle. We get tired of the uncertainty of it all. And in all honesty, Lord, we just get to the point where we want what we want and we want it now. But really what we truly desire is You. The safety, the stability, the comfort, the peace that's found in being in perfect fellowship with You. So Lord, forgive us where we've cast off restraint and taken matters in our own hands. Help us to surrender today. Help us to do what your word declares to present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you, which is our reasonable service. That we might do that good an acceptable and perfect will of yours. Thank you, Lord, that even when we fail, you can bring about good. In fact, your word declares in Romans that you work all things together for good to those who love you and are called according to your purpose. And so, Lord, there might be a brother or sister here this morning who has failed in some way. And through that failure and through that fumble, they think that, well, God's done with me. Would you open their eyes to the reality that you are not done with them? But as Philippians says, you will complete the work that you're doing in them to make them like Jesus. Lord, thank you for your patience and your grace and your loving kindness. Lord, without that, we'd be in so much trouble today. So thank you for these lessons we're learning. Help us as we continue to study. May we be changed and molded and shaped more and more like Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Our closing song this morning is 463. And the altar is open if you do need to come and pray. There's a need upon your heart. We would invite you to come. Pastor Larry's here. I'm here. There are others who would be willing to pray with you. This closing hymn, Rock of Ages, Cleft for Me. The altar's open. May we learn these lessons. Listen, don't just take in the Word and then just let it go one in and out the other. 
Let it find residence in your heart. And let God do a work in you as He is in me as we study together. 463, let's stand together and sing the altars open, Rock of Ages.